Welcome to the main event. Let's get ready to rumble! Introducing first, fighting out of the neutral corner, the undisputed, undefeated, baddest boxing podcast on the planet! And now, your host, Eric Rambo! All right, guys, welcome back to the latest installment of the baddest boxing podcast on the planet, a.k.a. the king of boxing podcast. And once again, I'm your host, Eric Grimbo. Hey, so for today's episode, we're going to go ahead and take a look at a preview of the upcoming Daniel Jacobs versus Sergi the Rivenchenko fight. You know, once this fight was announced, I was kind of scratching my head as to why, um, you know, the Rivenchenko was kind of getting the push into this you know, into this title shot. Granted, he he has been a top-ranked contender. He is the number one contender in the IBF. Um, was curious about it. Did a little research on him because he is a relative unknown. Um, you know, in all honesty, he is, unless you really have been following him, uh, you know, from his amateur career till now, he is relatively unknown. Uh, so today, my goal is to just kind of give you guys some stats, talk a little bit about, you know, what I think they both bring to the table, both pros and cons for both of them, and see if we can kind of break down this fight and maybe come up with a clearer picture. Now, I will say this. I I personally uh, had to do a lot of research on Derivinchenko to find out a little bit more about him. Um, I was kind of, And that kind of goes along with what I was saying. You know, I was kind of surprised that, you know, the powers that be were kind of pushing Derivinchenko. And it almost felt like he was kind of the proverbial favorite for this fight. Um, I'm glad to see that slowly, if not aggressively shifted towards Danny Jacobs because ultimately in my opinion I think Danny Jacobs should be the favorite in this fight um, without a doubt he is the favorite in this fight um, but you know with that being said it should make for a relatively interesting matchup but um, let's go ahead and break it down okay so talking about uh, kind of go over Derimachenko first because if you guys are like me there, there's not too much you know there's not too much out there about Derimachenko especially as far as his resume goes or as far as his even his amateur amateur career you don't really hear too too much about it and you know most of these guys from like in his case he's from the Ukraine um or these other eastern bloc countries they generally are involved in a pretty in-depth amateur uh program so you know he's no exception to the rule so you know Derimachenko obviously he's ranked number one in IBF uh hence why he's getting the title shot and hence why he could have been the proverbial initial favorite coming into this fight um, Ring Magazine has him ranked number four in the, in the middleweights. Uh, so he's up there. He's definitely getting some clout by the quote-unquote sanctioning bodies um, and the uh, the press as well. So taking a look at Derimachenko, um, as you guys know, he's 12-0, 10 KOs. So what does that mean? He, he's got some pop, definitely for sure. Um, but we'll go into his competition that he's faced here in, in a few minutes. Uh, so he's, again, 32 years old. He's 5'9", uh, 67.5-inch reach. Expected to come in at the middleweight limit. limit. Um, so he, he is going to, you know, he does fill out well. He does carry that weight well. He is shorter in stature, which we'll go over in a second when we cover um, Danny Jacobs. Uh, he is smaller. He, he looks wider, but he's smaller. Um, so kind of looking back at his resume, that was my biggest kind of question mark with the Rivenchenko as far as what he brings to the table and why has this guy catapulted, why is this fighter rather catapulted all the way to the top of the middleweight division, at least in the IBF size? 
um, with the lack of a superior resume, if you will. So to give you an idea, obviously I mentioned he's fought 12 times um, undefeated. He does have really maybe two signature wins on his resume. First, first and foremost, uh, he did destroy Sam Solomon, um, who was a former middleweight world champion. Uh, that was back in, I want to say, July of 2016. You know, he basically TKO'd him in, three ra- in, in two rounds, rather. He knocked him down three times, and uh, they called it off at that point. Then he took on um, a kind of on the cusp of being a middleweight prospect, Torano Johnson, uh, who was 21 at the time. Uh, he basically, you know, he TKO'd him as well, and that was back in uh, 17. After that, you know, he, he fought one more time against a journeyman middleweight, and then now he's getting this fight against um, Danny Jacobs for the title. Um, but let's dive a little bit more about the Rivenchenko to kind of give you a background, a little history on him. Obviously, as I mentioned, he grew up in Ukraine. Uh, he was part of uh, the Ukrainian national boxing team. Uh, to give you an idea, he had a very good amateur record, uh, which is something that's not broadcast as much. I guess it's kind of expected for one of these for these top tier um, Eastern Bloc boxers to be part of a, a, an extensive amateur program. Well, the Rimachenko is no exception to the rule. Uh, he compiled a 390 and 20 record while he was in the amateurs. So definitely got a lot of experience kind of gives you an idea why he was such a uh, uh, touted prospect coming into the middleweight division. As he started knocking up wins, it started uh, re- really kind of making his, his um, marketing scheme kind of push towards the uh, where he is right now, obviously. Um, so, yeah, again, 390-20 and 20 record. Uh, he participated in the 2008 Olympics. He eventually lost to the silver medalist in the middleweight division. So, you know, definitely got some got some credibility there. You know, he, he, he went as far as he could, lost to the silver medalist. Silver medalist. No shame in that. Um, but, yeah, very, very good. He won a couple um, – let me see. He won a couple national champions championships. Uh, he won a bronze medal at a world championship. Uh, so, you know, he definitely has the pedigree. That's the word I was looking for before. I'm sorry. Pedigree. You know, he definitely has some amateur pedigree, um, coming into the, uh, coming into the pros. And, uh, it feels odd talking to him about a potential, you know, cause I mean, any other guy at 12 and 0 with the exception of Vasily Lomachenko, um, you know, would be a prospect. But again, here's this, this fighter fighting for a, uh, the middleweight IBF championship. Um, but again, the, the key fact to that is he's an, he's an older kind of quote, quote unquote prospect, if you will. Um, not even a prospect, I guess, I guess he, you know, obviously now he's, he's a title challenger, but he is 32 years old, uh, still in a prime for sure in his prime for sure. But, you know, he is older compared to these other, you know, other younger guys coming directly out of the amateurs into the, uh, into the pros. So maybe he's got a lot of, uh, you know, maturity could, could play into how well he he's moving around the ring, how well he, he you know, how much success he's gained so far uh, while being a pro. Um, so obviously, with that being said, his amateur career coupled with his limited pro career, um, I guess it does make him marketable. And I guess his ability to do what he's done with the competition he's faced has caused him to, you know, be very marketable. You know, any boxer that's heavy-handed, i.e., you know, Derimenchenko does appear to be pretty heavy-handed, and that can put their opponents away at any given point in a fight, 
you know, definitely is marketable. And look, you guys know, I mean, knockouts are king, man. They they sell. Uh, so you know, Derevchenko's no, you know, no no slouch to that. Obviously, he, he's, you know, he brings a lot of power to the ring. Um, that is attractive for promoters. That is attractive to you know for sanctioning bodies. That is attractive to TV ratings as well. If you can put somebody up there that can bang, then you know the potential for a devastating knockout on TV, on live TV, that is, uh, could pay dividends for both the fighter, the promoters, and the uh, the networks that show it. Um, so with that being said, uh, doing my research into Rimchenko, and you guys let me know. Uh, you know I do like his style. Um, he does appear to be, um, he does have a very nice style, uh, some flaws in defense, which I'll go over in a little bit, i.e., as I mentioned previously, he likes to eat a lot of punches, um, but I, something about his style is very compact, he keeps, his, he keeps his elbows in close to his body, and he, he walks forward looking to deliver power, um, it's a different type of style, you know, when you hear that description, you may think of somebody like a David Lemieux, uh, more, Technical, obviously, you know his moniker is the technician. So his ability to, you know, where where Lemieux is like gunslinging all out. You know, he's coming for you. He's gonna swing for the fences every time he he's throwing a hook. Um, the Rivenchenko seems a little bit more structured and a little bit more technical in his ability, and I think he uses angles a little bit a little bit better. Um, and he's more compact, I think, than, than Lemieux. And, you know, I'm throwing Lemieux in as a comparison because I think, you know, those type of fighters, those come forward fighters that got a lot of pop in both hands. I, I think Lemieux is a good example of, of how you, how you can look at Derivinchenko. But where Derivinchenko, I think, separates himself from somebody like Lemieux, um, is the fact that he is a little bit more technical. As I said, he does utilize angles a little bit more, um, but again, that's against limited competition. So we'll see. And even Lemieux, I mean, I don't even think uh, Derivchenko can can he can't even come close to the caliber of fighters that Lemieux has fought, in my opinion, right now. Um, so let's let's go forward. So that, that's kind of my breakdown of Derivchenko. Um, again, good style, looks good in the ring. Uh, doesn't seem to get off his game plan, which I like too as well. He never never seems to be out of control of himself. That could be the age as well, where I mentioned maturity earlier. He tends to keep himself composed. He never looks like he's panicking. Uh, he never looks like he's out of control of what he's doing in the ring. That's a pretty you know pretty good skill. So that means his trainers got him uh, got him locked on. They have him uh, they have him focused, and he's focused as well. So why does Vermenchenko win? against Danny Jacobs. Well, let's see. He's aggressive. Um, as, as I mentioned, you know, he's always moving forward. Um, he's, uh, secondly, he's very heavy handed. And, uh, thirdly, I think he likes to cut off the ring very well and, um, very compact, as I mentioned. And the other thing, uh, the last thing I think there's no wasted motion with the Vermenchenko. Every, every fight that I've seen him in, he, again, this kind of goes into the whole not panicking or not swinging you know, needlessly or, or, or uselessly, there's never, it never seems to be a wasted motion with him. Um, he always finds himself in position to, to hit you. Um, now again, that's against the limited competition that he's fought so far. Um, but in my opinion, that's a very unique skill for a heavy handed guy. Um, which I think he he's, you know, he's definitely a boxer puncher for sure. 
um, but he doesn't waste anything in a ring. He, he, he comes in, he does work for the entire, the entire round. And, um, you know, obviously he's paid dividends for him so far. Okay. So why does he lose to Danny Jacobs? Uh, first and foremost, loves to eat punches. Um, that's something that, yes, he may be able to get away with a weak punching of Sam Solomon, um, for two rounds or whatever it is, but I don't believe he's going to be able to get away with it with a heavier, rangier, longer Danny Jacobs, who potentially, again, as I as I said before, or said in previous episodes, I think Danny Jacobs has enough pop to keep you at bay and hurt you. So I, I don't think the Rivenchenko wants to get into a, uh, you know, wants to open up his guard and let him, let you know, eat punches from Danny Jacobs, you know, all night or for however long it lasts. I think that would not be good for him. Um, the other thing, why Danny J, why uh, the Rivenchenko loses Danny Jacobs? Right now, there's too many questions about the Rivenchenko. I mean, yeah, we all we all see these clips on YouTube about the Rivenchenko, you know, beating people down. Um, but right now, I mean, there, there's, I don't know, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily sold on the Rivenchenko being, I don't know. I, I'm not really sold on him right now being able to beat Danny Jacobs in all honesty. Um, again, too many questions out there. This is a big jump from, you know, Torino Johnson to Daniel Jacobs or even Sam Solomon to Danny Jacobs. These, these fighters aren't on the same, you know, same tier as, as Jacobs. In my opinion, I think Danny Jacobs is one of the top middleweights in the division right now. Uh, he's proven it. He's, uh, you know, even against Triple G, you know, he's, he's proven it. And I don't think that, I don't think that Derimanchenko has faced um, anybody quite like Danny Jacobs yet. But we'll get into that in a second. And in all actuality, he may, he may just have. But we'll talk about that in a few seconds. Um, the other thing why Derivinchenko may take an L in this fight, um, while he is very good in the ring, he, he, he doesn't panic. He sticks to his game plan. That in essence makes him one dimensional where he doesn't seem to be able to adapt or he hasn't been put in a position where he has to adapt his style in the ring. I think Danny Jacobs is going to exploit that. uh, I think he's going to exploit that in the fight. And I think he's going to, we're going to have to see some rapid growth by Derivinchenko as this fight moves on. I don't think Danny Jacobs is going to allow Derivinchenko to stick to his game plan. I think he's going to try to derail him off that track and see what he could bring out of Derivinchenko. Um, so that kind of wraps up my overview of Derivinchenko. Now, going back to what I was saying before is in regards to he may just have the experience, a little bit more experience. So if you guys don't know, uh, Derivinchenko and Jacobs uh, basically share trainers, um, and they're, they're stable mates. So they're part of the same gym. Um, they've sparred over 300 rounds with each other. So they technically got a taste of each other. Every, they both know each other's power. They both know each other's you know, potential strengths and weaknesses. Now, as we know, you know, sparring is, does not equate fighting. However, I'm sure that these guys have a pretty good idea of what they bring to the table. Now, there was a article that I read about Danny Jacobs where he said, you know, Derivinchenko, he, you know, he, he basically got me up to par for, for triple G. Now that's saying, you know, what's that saying? He used him as a tool to get to triple G. 
Now, obviously, he didn't hurt Danny Jacobs while he was used, while Jacobs was using him as a tool. So, therefore, does that mean that Danny Jacobs possesses the skills to to beat him in you know real time, real world fight? Don't know. Sparring, as we know, is is totally different than than actually getting in the ring. Um, we, we do know these guys are are kind of friends. I'm sure they're friends, uh, but you know, business, business is business. And I'm sure they both want to make it to that next level. You know, Danny Jacobs is, has already said that, and I'm sure Derivinchenko feels the same way too. So it should be interesting to see that could work in, that could work in good or bad for Derivinchenko. I, he has an idea how Danny Jacobs moves around the ring already. He's already probably tasted about 85 Seventy-five percent of his power, maybe, um, you know, most likely. Uh, he got he 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 has an idea if he's able to to handle Danny Jacobs' athleticism in the ring and speed. He has an idea if he can kind of get under that long jab of Danny Jacobs and uh, kind of get in there and get close, which is what somebody like the Rimenchenko wants. Um, so we shall see. Uh, either way, it looks uh, looks like it's going to be an exciting fight for you know good good. Good stuff for Derivinchenko. I mean, you know, looking at his 13th pro fight and already getting a shot at the, uh, you know, the, I, one of the IBF straps. So good on Derivinchenko. I just hope he's in the best shape of his life for this fight, and uh, I hope it, uh, hope it turns out to be an exciting one. Okay, so moving forward, let's take a look at Danny Jacobs. So Danny, Daniel, rather, the Miracle Man Jacobs. So he's coming into this fight. He's ranked number three by the IBF, um, and Ring Magazine has him the number two middleweight in the world. So he's 31 years old, he's 5'11 and a half, and he has a 73-inch reach. So right there on paper, that should kind of tell you that uh, the Rimenchenko is going to have a little bit of a hard time. If you guys saw the pressers, uh, Jacobs looks a lot bigger, tall, you know, height-wise, compared to the Rimenchenko. Uh, he's about two and a half inches taller than uh, the Rimenchenko. He's got about a, I want to say a five and a half inch reach on the Rimenchenko. So that right there could be the difference in the fight, which I think, in my opinion, it may just be. So uh, as far as records go, uh, Danny Jacobs is 34-2, and 29 KOs. Um, yes, as you know, he took two L's on his uh, his record. The first one was against Triple G, where he fought, he fought brilliantly, I think, uh, as did Triple G that night. I think that was a test for both of them. Um, and even though uh, Jacobs took an L in that fight, I think he gained a lot of fans, and I think he gained a lot of respect. Um, throughout the world for that fight, at least in the middleweight world. Uh, the other fight, and this this is always going to be a a black eye, if you will, that hangs over the head of Danny Jacobs, even though he's proven himself extremely well post uh, the Parag fight. Uh, if you guys ever saw that fight, it's an excellent fight as far as if you if you want to see how to beat Danny Jacobs. I think Parag led the, uh, you know, he laid the blueprint out. Um, the one thing about Parag, um, he w- he was heavy-handed before he was forced to retire, of course. Um, but the one thing about Parag versus Jacobs is he, he was about the same height. He's about the same height as Jacobs, and you could see that the height and the, the length of Parag was kind of giving him, you know, giving him problems. And eventually, you know, in the fifth round, he got clipped and uh, got knocked out. So that always, you know, that always is going to hang, as I said, is always going to hang over Danny Jacobs. And it's something we get into in a, in a little bit here. So as you guys know, you know, he, 
Danny Jacobs was a former WBA champ. Um, he held the regular WBA strap from, I want to say, 2004 to, yeah, about three years, 2004 to 2017. Um, and when he fought, so he was a WBA regular champ versus Triple G, who Triple G was the WBA super champ. You know, the WBA and all the and the WBC with all these uh, multiple silver, you know, regular super champ titles and all that stuff. Uh, so he was a former title holder. And obviously now he's looking forward to getting the uh, the W the excuse me the IBF strap uh, if he's victorious in this fight. So a little bit about um, Danny Jacobs' amateur career. So he ended up compiling a one thirty seven and seven um, amateur career. But what was significant about his uh, his amateur career was I mean he he won like the junior Olympic national champions. He was multiple he won multiple Golden Glove middleweight championships. Uh, he was a U.S. amateur middleweight champion um you know definitely definitely a storied amateur career albeit limited in comparison to somebody like the who had uh, over 400 fights uh but for his was 150 145 fights um he definitely made them count and definitely you know definitely uh um was able to to make his mark in the amateurs and uh, he's also doing the same thing in the pro side of the house too as well um as you guys know you know with the biggest fight of his career, I think in, in his life in 2012, he overcame cancer. Um, it's amazing. So shortly after the Pirog fight, I think he fought once or twice more after that. Um, and then he was, he was diagnosed with cancer and, uh, never thought he was going to box again. Uh, it, it never, you know, was unsure, you know, if, you know, even, even beating cancer was, was going to be a tough fight. Ended up beating cancer, ended up coming back and kind of setting the middleweight division on, on storm. I, you know, on, on fire rather, um, you know, I remember he kind of slipped from the radar after Pirog. I, I had heard about him, you know, before Pirog, he was definitely an up and comer, uh, you know, definitely, you know, fighting out of, of Brooklyn and everything like that. So it was, it was definitely, you know, you definitely heard his name around. And then, uh, obviously once he ran into Pirog, he kind of disappeared a little bit again, fought twice, disappeared for about 14 months, came back and then I saw him just dismantle uh, Peter Quillen. And I was like, wow, that, that's, you know, here he is. He's back again. And then he's just been on a tear since then. So, you know, the the man has definitely had his, uh, you know, peaks and valleys in his life and his career. Um, I think this will be another chapter to add to his already impressive resume in the middleweight division. And um, hopefully he doesn't disappoint. And uh, I know he won't. I know he's, I, you know, he always seems very prepared, very focused for these fights. Um, as I'm sure the Rivenchenko is, it's a, you know, opportunity of a lifetime for him as well. Again, this is another chance for, for Danny Jacobs to again, get himself back into the, uh, uh, into being a key player within the middleweight division. Um, and I think he'll, he'll rise to the occasion as should the Rivenchenko. Um, cause obviously I think he has more to prove in this fight than Danny Jacobs does right now. All right. Why does Danny Jacobs beat Sergey Derivinchenko? Well, first and foremost, I think the height and reach definitely play a role. Secondly, um, he seems heavy-handed enough to keep Derivinchenko at bay. Three, I think that his athleticism and his ability to move, to fight backwards, to move around the ring, and if need be, to stand toe-to-toe will possibly break Derivinchenko, break his spirit. Um, Because ultimately, I think it's going to be a battle of wills. Uh, you know, where you have an aggressive fighter coming forward and 
Jacobs is not going to be the one to want to give up ground. So I think that, you know, that in essence should be part of his game, the psychological game as well, to break that spirit of the Ribbonchenko. And I think he can do it. I think with his resume, the fact that he fought, you know, just the fact that he fought Triple G, one of the heaviest-handed middleweight boxers on recent times, um, I think that should give him the confidence that he could withstand and hold his ground against the Rivenchenko. And that's something that the Rivenchenko has not seen yet in his career. Somebody that's able to stand in front of him, take what he has and attempt to move forward at the same time. Um, again, I think that the Riven, excuse me, Danny Jacobs, um, his defense is, is good enough. The fact that he's taller gives him that extra edge as far as uh, being able to kind of move away from uh, the Rivenchenko's punches. Um, you know, he's going to have to, I don't think that he's going to allow Derivinchenko to get in too close. That's going to give him the uh, the ultimate edge in that fight, I think. Um, why does he lose to, Danny, uh, to Derivinchenko? Well, as I said before, the Parag fight always is going to loom over Danny Jacobs. There's going to be questions about his chin. Um, we saw, obviously, against Parag. Uh, we saw against Triple G as well. Um, I will say this, uh, Danny Jacobs appears to recover very quick, even against Pirog. Um, if you guys never seen that before, uh, it was definitely a clean shot and, and Danny Jacobs was out. I mean, he was out before he hit the canvas. He was out for about three, four seconds on the, on the ground till the ref stood over him and man, he tried to pop up real quick. Um, but just amazing his recovery from being out to being aware um, but the fight was over at that point. I don't think they, they wanted to risk damaging Danny Jacobs anymore. The ref didn't want to risk that. Um, so that will always loom over Danny Jacobs. Uh, the fight against Triple G, yeah, he, he got he got clipped pretty well. Again, was able to pop back up and, and fought extremely well after that. Now, the question is, do we really know how hard the Rivenchenko hits? I, you know, we don't. Uh, Danny Jacobs has an idea, though. Um so I'm sure he's going to be prepared uh, defensively to withstand that type of onslaught if the Rivenchenko comes with that game plan. But that could be a potential reason why uh, Danny Jacobs does lose this fight. Um, secondly, if the Rivenchenko is as powerful as he is kind of being played up to be, uh, that does pose some potential risk for Danny Jacobs, you know, i.e. getting pushed into the corner, uh, not being able to establish a jab. And just kind of losing ground to Dan, to Derivinchenko. I think those are the key components of why he loses this fight. I don't think that Derivinchenko is... He's definitely not faster than Danny Jacobs. Um, he does like to throw a lot of punches, though, um, which could, you know, could play, play into it as well. If he, you know... Danny Jacobs is an active fighter, um, but, you know, Derivinchenko seems pretty active as well. So again, it all all depends, um, but I think those are some key factors why uh, Danny Jacobs could potentially catch an L in this fight. Okay, guys, so that's kind of my breakdown of both these fighters. Um, what do I predict? You know, <laughs> my predictions have been kind of kind of off the past couple fights, um, but I do predict I predict this going the distance. Um, I predict Danny Jacobs pulling it out, um, either a split or majority decision. Um, that's not to discredit Derevinchenko. I think that there's too many there's too many unknowns right now about Derevinchenko. Now, can Derevinchenko come out and surprise the world and knock Danny Jacobs out? 
Uh, potentially, sure. Yeah, I mean he's he's on a uh, he's on a tear. His confidence, I'm sure, is high. Again, he looks in good shape. As does Danny Jacobs looks in phenomenal shape. Um, but we know Derivinchenko seems to be no joke right now. Uh, now we just gotta see if he's for real. Uh, we know Danny Jacobs is for real. Um, he's one of the top, the premier middleweights in the in the world. Um, does Derivinchenko belong at the top of that uh, pedestal with him? <laughs> to be determined. Uh, but again, anything could happen uh, when this fight, you know, during fight time. Um, but I, I personally, I predict, uh, I predict Danny Jacobs uh, taking this one. Um, but I would not be completely surprised to to see Derivinchenko surprise the world if that if that does happen. But I'll tell you what, ultimately, what I'm excited to see, I, I'm really just excited to see what this Derivinchenko kid brings. Um, the biggest thing, man, I mean, he's 32 years old. Obviously, he, you know, the t- time is ticking for him as far as his impact that he could get in and make on the middleweight division. Um, you know, you're looking at what maybe four years of four to five years if he's lucky of um, being in his quote unquote peak. If that, uh, he's got a late start in the in the pros, so he's got to get in, make his impact quick. I mean, if he knows this and understands this, and his team knows this, um, that could that could play a role too. How aggressive he is, how bad he wants it. Um, we know Danny Jacobs wants this bad. I mean, he, he wants every fight bad. Um, you know, so I mean, Derivinchenko again. He's got a lot to prove. Uh, he's got a lot to prove to himself, a lot to prove to the boxing world, and a lot to prove to the middleweight division. Um, again, the the I mentioned this a couple times before. The only thing, the X factor, man, that that has me wondering about Derivinchenko, and you know, guys, I really don't like coming into this and not talking about a boxer that I'm, I'm I know about. Um, but I, I'm. Being upfront and honest with you guys, I just don't know enough about this this kid, Derivinchenko. I mean, yes, he he seems pretty good. It seems like if HBO was going to continue on, you know, he would be an HBO fighter, and they'd be, you know, kind of promoting him left and right. But the one thing, the one X factor that blows my mind is not one of the other middleweights have called out Derivinchenko. Obviously, if they know he's a uh, you know, the number one ranked IBF middleweight in the world, or he's a top tier middleweight, quote unquote, top tier. And you know, he's nothing, you know, the you know, Charlo will be calling him out. I'm sure, you know, uh, Canelo will be calling him out, you know, even, even triple G, not a peep, nobody. I mean, I, I, that's what makes me, that's why I got to give the edge to Danny Jacobs in this. If this was another fighter, um, and, and that is something that I did kind of analyze a little bit. If, if they didn't have this much time in the ring together as far as uh, being stable mates, I might just have to give to Edge to Derivinchenko because of the the, the lack of knowing. Um, but because that Danny Jacobs has t- had a taste of this guy, you know, as far as his power, as far as his abilities in the ring, um, yeah, you got to give the edge to him. But again, it just blows my mind, man, that you know, in this world of everybody calling everybody else out on social media. Shoot, even people calling Triple G out even before he fought Canelo again. You know, I mean, you know, nobody, nobody in the middleweight division is calling out Derivinchenko. Um, I had said the same thing about Billy Joe Saunders too, as well. Uh, at least he's starting to, he was starting to get called out a little bit by Canelo, and uh, I think Charlo had called him out a little bit. But uh, just blows my mind that nobody's calling out this Derivinchenko. Um, matter of fact, it seems like the only reason why supposedly these two are fighting is because it was mandated. 
because um, generally, you know, you don't really see stable mates uh, jumping in the ring together, at least not for a, a championship belt like this. Um, so something to be determined. Again, guys, I, you know, just I'm excited to see this fight. I'm excited to see Danny Jacobs back in the ring again. And, and you know, even more so, I'm excited to see what Derivinchenko brings to the table and see if he's for real, see if he's for real in the middleweight division. Because, um, again, if he is, I think we're only going to be able to see him for a short amount of time, i.e., you know, you know, three, four years before he's, uh, you know, he, he's quote-unquote old in that division. So hopefully he makes his mark. Uh, if he is able to win tonight, makes his mark, continues to make a mark in the middleweight division. And uh, let's see let's see what he brings to the table. But, um, all right, guys. So that's my breakdown of Derivinchenko Jacobs. Uh, make sure you guys tune in. It's HBO's last broadcast. Speaking of that, um, last boxing broadcast, that is. Uh, speaking of that, um, on the undercard, you have Albert Machado taking on Wandale Evans for uh, Machado's WBA junior lightweight title. And also you have Heather Hardy taking on Shelly Vincent for the WBO female featherweight title. All right, guys. Well, this basically wraps up the latest edition of the baddest boxing podcast on the planet. Thank you so much for listening. Um, feel free to go to email us at the baddest boxing podcast at gmail.com. If you guys ever have any suggestions, concerns, complaints, go ahead, hit us up. Uh, if you want to throw some uh, some hypothetical matches downrange, let, let me know. Send us an email. Um, also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Baddest Boxing Podcast. And, uh, hey, if you can, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast fix on. Guys, thanks again. I appreciate it. Enjoy the fights, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the baddest boxing podcast on the planet. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter for future episodes and updates.